Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Stephanie Betters. She has co-founded multiple businesses throughout the years. She's also uh, just a powerhouse woman in so many ways. And she has very amazing thoughts and ideas around how to turn problems into opportunities. And we all experience problems. (laughs) You're not human if you don't. But we get into such a great discussion and more than just a discussion, but actually leaving you with some very, very specific action steps and, and questions to ask yourself. So you can actually move through problems in a very powerful, empowering way versus just trudging through it. Yeah, it's all about the emotional skill set that you have to cultivate in order to deal with those problems, which will come up. You didn't hear that before. (laughs) We're just doing a disclaimer. It's going to come up several (laughs) times a day sometimes. But here's the bottom line. Stephanie has such a passion for medicine. She's a nurse. And she idealized the skill sets from that industry. And she uses that in her business nowadays. And she even said, she's like, those are the skills that are making my real estate business a success. And she shared exactly what that is. And you can use for your business too. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you that time is running out and you have four weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investher, H-E-R, con.com and use the promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are on a global mission. That's my new thing. Global mission to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. That is what we're up to. And that's what we stand for and stand with women to create for themselves right on their own terms. Right, Andressa? That's right. We woke up one day, we said, we don't have anything exciting going on in our lives. We have a lot of free time. So let's go with that mission. It's so interesting too. And, and I want to welcome Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on our show. Before I'm just an Ico Town, too many tangents without welcoming you and just appreciate your time so much. Stephanie is a, a powerhouse, founded a bunch of businesses, and we're going to get into some really cool stuff today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. But where, where I was going with my, my thought process is 
Andres and I have like a shared passion for supporting women. And, and we talk about that, that in different circumstances. I'm not going to go into too much depth of that right now. But I will say, when you have a passion for something that was born in me when I was like in my 20s, Andressa, what age were you around where you started really create this passion of supporting women, especially? Listen, I thought about that when you gave me my 40th birthday gift, uh, which was an interview with 40 of my best friends from here, mm -hmm. from back in the day. There's a pattern there. I've been always this person and I didn't even know. So I, I think I was just born with, with it and found, of course, now a, a vehicle to express that through the real estate invest her um, community. But that was in me like this, like, oh, that doesn't work like that. Every time that I work in a place where I was the only woman, I always had that approach <laughs> since forever. Uh, okay. I just didn't realize that that was it. Right. But now it. with the real estate investor community, that's how the, the, the vehicle that I can express that in a better way. Well, what I, what I was thinking too, with my question, hopefully I remember it here. My point was that so many times our passion, there's like, there's an ounce of our passion that's already within us. Right. Mm. But what's really neat about a passion is that it should grow and evolve. And like, I know for me and you in the last few years that we, we, we started this podcast and the community membership, all the things we have going on, it's just grown like significantly the statistics that affect women and the things that I see in the headlines. Like I was always concerned about those things. It's just heightened because my passion has increased. And I think that's my point in sharing that too, is when you have a passion for something, right? Whatever niche it might be, or, you know, the why behind creating financial freedom in a balanced way, like, what is it for you that like popped you out of the bed to deal with that contractor or deal with the foundational problem or deal with whatever is in your way? Keep cultivating that passion because it's not just like this one and done, put it on, put it off. It's, it's, it's a cultivation. And I feel like I cultivate it um, and I need to be reminded of cultivating it. Sometimes I'll read things that people have said really nicely about our community, Andressa, when I have a day that's just, you know, so cultivate that for yourself. And and uh, just want to make a mention of that. That is not what I was actually going to talk about today, but I'm going to just talk about, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in that one of those moods today. Right. And Stephanie, glad to have you here. You know, no, good, <laughs> mood, good mood, but really quick, I, I wanted to mention an event that we had recently and, and it was a very powerful event. And it was it was for our our Strive members and um, women. We we had come up in the in the front of the room and we were talking a little bit about some of the challenges she was going through with her investing business. And again, it's not just investing business; it it, it ties into our whole lifestyle and our our world. It's not just like this compartmentalized area. But anyway, long story short, and Andressa was so beautifully able to re see this, and she was kind of the one helping. She was basically struggling building out-of-state um, partnerships and out-of-state kind of investments. And you think about the skill set that you need, right? And and then Andressa started asking her things about um, her childhood. And in a very safe way, in a very nice way, it wasn't like she was trying to psychoanalyze her by any means, but she asked some questions that were really powerful. And it came up through that experience that she basically grew up playing in the sandbox by herself. And then she shared something else when she was like a teen. And it was like the same playing in the sandbox. We saw visually this happening. And it was like within 10 minutes of just some exploring. And she finally got, right, why she's yeah. so hesitant to expand beyond the investments that she has into other, other states. And so my point in sharing that, it was a very deep moment and it was very powerful for her 
And Andressa just beautifully orchestrated that and in with your questions. And I just kind of was standing there forgetting I was, was the facilitator. To, to see but that's her, okay. though, when she realized, she was like, oh, am I playing on the sandbox by myself again? We're like, yeah, everybody saw that. Like, yes. There's two <laughs> reasons I want to share that. And to it, do that. Yeah, absolutely. There's two reasons is that not that you have to psychoanalyze yourself every day, yeah. but when something starts to come up for you and it's a pattern. There usually is a reason. And, and I know for me, I, I'm very open with this. I, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist weekly and it's very helpful because I'm really getting a chance to see my patterns and say what's working and what's not working. So I would just encourage everyone listening, not that everyone has to go get a therapist, but watch your patterns. If there's something in your business that isn't working, there's probably other patterns that might give you some awareness that is this working for me or not? And how why and that was so powerful for her to understand about her childhood not that she stays there and you know like just stays in that moment but she starts to understand herself so she could break through i just mentioned that as one one piece that we need to be aware of when something isn't working in our in our in our investing business second reason i'm sharing that is on we have a really cool um announcement that we're making on black friday so we all like to shop well some people like to shop on black friday some people don't a lot of people do it online now i'm like the one dork that likes to go at like 4 a.m with my mom and my sister but anyway my list yeah send me my send me your list i am really someone that likes my coffee like my dunkin donuts and then i like to, to do it but anyway why I'm saying that is we are doing a really cool announcement on Black Friday where we're going to be um, and we're doing we're sending it out to only the, the folks that have um, are on our waiting list for our membership. We open those twice a year, literally, uh, for our Strive members, uh, our Strive membership. So please check it out. You can go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com slash membership and join our waiting list and you'll hear a really cool announcement we have on Black Friday. So and keep working on yourself. Watch those patterns. That's important. So without further ado, Stephanie, let's get into it. Cause there's like, I think 25 questions we have for you. No, I'm joking. We're not 25, but <laughs> Stephanie's a powerhouse. She's, she, you really have um, created a lot of neat, uh, you're not only an active real estate investor, you've, you've, you've built multiple businesses and um, just, just love your story. So let's start from the beginning here. What inspired you? Because I know you're an active real estate investor as well. What inspired you to get involved in real estate and investing? So what inspired me initially was my husband's curiosity in it and his passion. Um, I was actually very resistant in the beginning to get into this. Um, this was not something that I grew up understanding. I didn't understand what investing was. Um, both my, it's funny, I was actually talking to my mom about this a little bit the other day, but both my parents are entrepreneurs um, and they never encourage that, right? I think they understand mm. what it takes, right? And they're like, no, go to school, get a good job. Like most parents do. Like that's the path that we do here. And then, you know, so it's so funny. So that was my mindset. You know, I met my husband in undergrad and just all I wanted to do was marry him and have babies and like work in medicine. That's like all I knew. That was the things I wanted. And when he had this big passion kind of, you know, unfold to me and we were young, right? Like I, we, I married him when I was 21 years old. So you talk about starting your life and like growing together, right? Here he comes um, with this big passion and interest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, that wasn't what I initially wanted here. Like we we're going to have our jobs and we we're going to have our babies. And like, that's what I was going to be. Um, and I was really resistant. I was scared. I was like, that's not the plan. And I really just like took a second. I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to what this means for you, right? Like, what is this? What does this entail? You know, et cetera. And I saw the logic behind it. I was like, okay, I can see how this was going to work. Like real estate feels safe. It's an asset. It's insurable. We can live in it. You know, the first house we did, we lived in. 
was like, this doesn't seem like too big of a risk. It's very different than I anticipated. You know, I, I didn't even know you could invest money beside the 401k. Like I literally knew nothing. I was 21 years old. <laughs> so I did it. So we're like, okay, we're going to build, we're going to buy the house and we'll live in it and we're going to flip it. And this is in 2007. And it, it took us a year and a half and we flipped it and sold it literally right before the crash. Right. Like we were so lucky in, in 2009, um, Q1, 2009 in upstate New York, that's when it like fell off a cliff. So anyway, we got very lucky. It went well. We, we made good money. We went to grad school. And then while we were in grad school, you know, we didn't flip while we were there. We spent those two years studying. Um, my husband's like, I think we should do it again. I want to do it again. And I was like, Oh, that was kind of fun. We didn't make good money. I like working with you like that. That's fun but I don't ever want to live in it again. So the next time we do this, we need to figure out a way that we can do it like a business essentially, right? So we picked um, Charlotte, North Carolina as our market because it was warm. It was near an international airport. Both of our parents would be interested in retiring in the Carolinas at some point. We knew no one else. We knew nothing else. We knew that it, the market looked good in comparison to Raleigh, Durham area and Jacksonville it seemed very similar. So we, that felt logical and safe. So we moved and jumped in. Uh, we were. It took us a couple of years to launch because we didn't want to live in the house. So we had to, you know, save some money, get a HELOC on our current house, and then we started our business officially in 2014. And that's kind of like the whole backstory. So. Long story short, my husband created a monster because once I figured out, <laughs> <laughs> once I was like, okay, I see how this business thing works, right? I saw a whole other world unfold in front of me. I was like, there is a huge amount of possibility here. We can really affect our future. Like we can really take control of our finances, of our family, of our path, right? We don't have to be so dependent on a job, which is is still something I actually kind of struggle with a little bit because my I'm a nurse practitioner. Medicine is my passion. I love my career in medicine. I mm. love it. But my career in medicine will only return what I what I put in time-wise, right? Like my family and the security of my family will only be there if I'm actively working, right? Until re reach retirement age. I'm not really even considering that. But until then, like I have a certain amount of time off. I have, you know, hours I need to do. And then, then I get my paycheck, right? Like I'm doing the exchange. And although I love it, it's not freedom, right? So that became the pull for me. And where Zach, my husband kind of like got me hook, line and thinker. I was like, okay, if we can own a business that is generating income, then I can take that active income, which is in my opinion, a little faster to accumulate than traditional medicine, right? Like I get paid well, but not like I can just grab a hundred K buy a house, right? Like you have to save for a few years to, to get that money. Whereas this active income in real estate, you know, with flipping, wholesaling, new builds, we were able to accumulate cash a little bit faster. And now I can take that and put it into bigger investments like multifamilies and syndications and things like that. And basically kind of what we ended up doing was having streams of income in the business world. And this whole, like I said, this whole world unfolded in front of me of possibilities. I love what you're saying, Stephanie, because um, in we hear a lot, right? This, this pressure of people, well, if you want to invest in real estate, you need to quit your job because then it means that you don't have the mentality or you don't understand whatever that is. You're playing on the wrong quadrant, all of that. <laughs> And, and you mentioned something, you are passionate about your profession. So a lot of women that are listening to us hate their jobs, but others like you really enjoy it and you're making it work. 
in creating different streams of income. And one thing that I love that you said on your, um, on your bio is that you believe that your background in medicine is been one of the keys for your success in, in real estate. And I want to talk more about that because a lot of women think that they need to have this quote unquote real estate background in order for them to invest in real estate. And they don't see the transferable skill sets that, that, that are needed. So let's talk about that. What do you mean when you say that your, your background in medicine has been the the key for the, the success of your business? I think it all starts with people and understanding people, right? So when I come at starting a business and serving others, so what a business is, is essentially creating a product or service that other people want, right? And then providing it to them and then capitalizing on that with, you know, income, right? And it doesn't have to be a dirty, nasty thing to make money on a service or a product, right? So what you first have to do is understand what a problem is and what someone needs, right? And that can be a homeowner who's trying to sell their house. That can be an investor who's trying to place their funds, right? It can be, you can use that skill across essentially any part of the conveyor belt of a business, right? So medicine has really taught me to understand people and their problems, right? Like it sounds funny to say it like out of context like this, but like in a, in an office visit, somebody comes in with a problem, right? You probably see your provider for 15 minutes, right? So in 15 minutes, I can get to the nitty gritty of the actual problem and the true problem. And people can share really intimate personal worries, problems, et cetera, with me. And I can come up with a diagnosis in a, in a relatively short period of time, right? Same thing applies in the hospital. I don't have three hours to sit down with you and understand what's happening. I've got to rapidly get to the bottom of it, right? And that that takes a lot of emotional intelligence, but also critical thinking. And like, what is the problem here, right? So I feel, long story short, that I can connect with people and understand people pretty well because of my medical training. And I also think that the trust that I I have with people now, like I have a lot to lose, right? Like a medical license, medical career. Like if I commit fraud, if I do something backwards, like that blows up a whole other aspect of my life, right? So I think that, you know, the people skills has helped a lot in the development of that, but also having something to lose has helped me create trusting relationships with people outside of that. Like in now in this industry, people know that I'm not going to screw them over because I would literally lose everything. Like not just my medical career and I just, excuse me, not just my real estate career, but my medical career. I just don't want to lose that. Right. So I think that it's brought a lot of interesting skills to the table. And I think, I think really true expertise comes from matching other industries with other industries. Like I think we have so much to learn from other industries that and that fresh perspective, I think, can make you really, really good at your job. A, a really, really kind of cool, nerdy example that I like to um, like to bring up is the heart-lung machine, because uh, heart surgery is my medical background. So the heart-lung machine was invented in the 50s. And the reason why, the, the reason how it came together, um, Dr. Lilahai in Minnesota invented it. And he worked with a mechanic and a dairy farmer and, the, and a heart surgeon. That is how... The, the heart lung machine came into play crazy. He was trying to say like, well, how do I get the bubbles out of this thing? Right. How do I'm oxygenating this blood? How do I get the bubbles out? And he talked to a farmer and he's like, Oh, this happens to us with milk. We get the bubbles out with a special cloth. Like this is how the heart lung machine came together. Right. Wow. Like all these different industries can bring really fresh perspective. I think real estate is the same exact way. I think there's a ton to learn from medicine. I actually think there's a ton to learn too from the car industry. It's very interesting. 
So I think if we can bring these fresh perspectives in, we can change things and we can bring new ideas that change the industry. Mm. Wow. That's great. You, gave me, you sparked so many ideas in my head right now. It's not funny. Usually that just comes when you take a shower. No, but something happened. Something happened. We'll talk to you offline about all those ideas. But I think that you're talking about something that I heard different ways of transferable skills, but not in that depth. And I think we should explore that more as as real estate investors. We would be dumb if we don't explore that 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 more. And and really understanding other industry of like their core. Yeah. And and I don't think we idealize that. That's like an untapped potential, in in mm-hmm. my opinion, which means that we are behind some way, shape, or form. Because if we were collaborating, what we could build together, it's it's not even funny. Why do you think, Stephanie? Like when you think about that, and you think about women, right? We're trying to figure out a lot of things by ourselves, and 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 right. Sometimes we don't trust others that they're gonna carried the load as much as we would. What are the challenges that you face while building your business when it comes down to leveraging that and partner up with other people? Any any mistakes that you made, any lessons that you learned throughout your journey that you could share with the women that are are oh in that? Right I've made now? a lot. I've made so many mistakes. I feel like I should, that's a longer list than anything else. Um, I think that a unique challenge that we have as women is the initial first impression. Um, I think that we are right out of the gate doubted and you have to be perceived as twice as good to be perceived as half as good, right? Like you have to be twice as good to be perceived half as good. And that is just first impression, right? And I don't think anybody necessarily means any harm by it. But the first thing that people wonder is like, oh, you must be a mom or you must, where's your spouse involved in this? Or like, that is the initial first thing. And I don't necessarily think that's a horrible thing. You just need to be aware of it, right? So when you are facing new partners or new situations, I think that you have to have that objection in mind already and overcome it quickly in a new conversation. And I think you do that by being an expert in your field, being reliable, being dependable, telling the truth and being able to connect with people. I think that you need to, just like we have, you know, with sellers, when we're talking with homeowners and things like that, you need to be able to just address that objection right away. Just assume that it's there, right? Like I get that question all the time. Well, how do you balance? My husband doesn't get that question as much, right? He still does. I mean, he, he, you know, he is very, very involved with our family. Like if he wasn't, we would not be where we are today for sure. Very much a team, but that's not the first impression that men have. So I think just being aware of what a potential um, obstacle would be and then addressing it right out of the gate is incredibly important. I think something that women have innately that we need to continue to um, put the forefront and, and really nurture is the fact that our brains are more spider web than men, right? Men, I think are very compartmentalized, this and that back, this and that box. Women, I think we can make really intricate connections and that's just how our brain works. Like it goes from here to here to here to here to here. Oh, that's connected this way and that's connected this way. And I think if we use that skill in our relationships with other um, investors, with business partners, with, with our customers, then I think that is what helps us show our value is how we synthesize information and how we can now synthesize it and then do something with it. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. My mom follows a very funny pastor. 
and he talks, he's very funny in a, in a way that he talks about relationships and he talks about uh, man, they have exactly, as you said, boxes, there's yeah. a bo family box, there's friends box, there's sports box, there's like job box, whatever, different boxes. And women, we don't have boxes. It's just all, all, all connected. So yeah. many times he was saying that when you're talking to a man, you need to tell like, what box are you talking about? Because <laughs> they, they won't make the connection. They were like, wait, how you're making this connection. And there's not, I'm not saying this is like bad Good, better, worse whatsoever, because there's yeah. pros and cons. And that's the beauty of it. You will be, uh, uh, you know, I think that the mix of it is what makes all of us uh, or work. But we being aware of, of that's how it works yeah. in your relationship, working with your spouse in any partnership that we all do. But look at what are you saying right now that I want to emphasize for women is that look at that as a strength. Exactly. Right? What, exactly. Because when we are bringing to the table, our global perspective is a strength and share that with your team because they might not be seeing it. And right. sometimes we doubt ourselves, we doubt our inputs that come from, from that natural uh, perspective. So I really love what, what you're pointing out here. So, yeah. And, yeah. In, and, you know, throughout my career, both medically and real estate um, and software now, um, I have very, very frequently been the only woman, right? Med medicine is, but nursing, of course, is more female dominated, but, but, you know, being a provider, being in the, you know, nurse practitioners working with physicians and, and physician assistants, most of them are men in the surgery world, right? So I'm used to being that, that woman and the same thing in the business world tends to be more dominated by men. And I think if you approach these situations and you've kind of established, you've kind of killed that, that, that objection, right? You've overcome that. You've presented your strengths pretty quickly in a conversation. You've earned then that respect. And I think it's earned relatively quickly. I don't feel that way anymore. I don't, I don't feel that I don't feel marginalized at all. You know, I, I have, you know, great relationships with people. I walk into a room and meet a new person and I don't feel doubted right out of the gate anymore. You know what I mean? And I think part of that is because I'm confident now, right? You know, I know, I know what I bring into, into a business relationship and into a conversation. And now I don't perceive that doubt the way I did before. I was super sensitive to it before, right? I was like, oh, I feel that they just doubted me. I feel that they don't trust me. Um, so I think that I think that it can be earned rather quickly, and and I feel I feel like I feel that's very overcomable, and it's not something you need to be afraid of. Just like you led with Liz, like if you understand your own patterns, if you understand your way your brain works, the way their brain is probably working, and address that right out of the gate, then I think you come into it so much stronger. Yeah, love that. I, I love that a lot, and 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 really love a lot of the tips you just shared, especially the objection one, is when you're working when you're about to meet that banker. And, you know, you haven't done a deal or, and you just quit your job or, you know, it's not like trying to think you're going to know what they're going to say, but it's about being prepared. I love that idea of just that it's like sales 101 is that you weave in the objection through your presentation without them ever having said it. So exactly. I just, I just want to reiterate that. It sounds like you were like doing sales training there. I'm like, you're good. You're in <laughs> but anyway, you, your, your, your ability to, to, to look at all that probably has served you so well and all the businesses that you've started that you're running. So tell us a little about your relationship with problems, because 
you know, relationship. And of course I have to go there like, Ooh, your relationship with problems. It sounds like this uh, person called problems, but it is, it's a relationship with problems. And I feel like I'm so mindful of this with my kids. I have an eight-year-old or a four-year-old. And when, they, when, when, you know, my son says I have a problem, you know, and, or we use that word in our everyday vernacular yet. What does it really mean? What do we make of it? And how do we move through it? And, and really the successful entrepreneurs, the successful moms, the successful people in this world do something differently when they hear there's a problem versus what most people do. Let's just be frank. We know that. So talk to us a little bit about your, like I said, your, this might be the title of the episode is your relationship with problems, but talk to us about, you have a really interesting process for dealing with problems and, and I just love it. And I want you to kind of walk us through a little bit so women can kind of get that same inspiration when they're working through all the situations they're going to work through, especially with uh, our investing business. Yeah. Okay. So I like to say, um, I have this like little mantra that I tell myself and it's a lot for my own mindset. Um, but I, I tell myself this almost every single day, I eat problems for breakfast. And what that means to me is like, I can, I can start my day with a problem and I will, I will fix it. Right. Like I got this right? That's kind of my own, like, and it's funny, you say yourself, you say it to yourself enough and you like, it is you, it, you believe it. It's not a big deal anymore. Right. So I think problems in general, problems are not the end of a book, right? Like you don't hit a problem and like, that's it. Well, that sucks, right? That's not what a, a problem is an obstacle a problem is something difficult, but it is not the end game because you hit it. And it's okay that you have found a problem. It's okay that you hit a problem. So I think first we need to normalize problems. Like you will have problems. If you are trying to blaze a trail and do something different than anyone in your family has ever done, if you're trying to grow to a new level, anticipate that there will be problems. And it is okay that you have problems because that is a, a rung in the ladder of you getting to the next step. You just have to figure out how to emotionally handle problems. Like it's okay. So I just need to start with that first. So the first, I mean, when, I, when I'm faced with a problem, and this really kind of goes like the breadth of all the types of problems there are from you can't find your shoes to someone's bleeding to death, right? Like there's a whole, there's a whole uh, slew of, of ranges of problems. But the first thing I try to think about when I hit a problem is like, okay, really, what is this problem? Like what exactly is happening here? And identify the true and real problem. Because sometimes it can be different than your initial first impression. Sometimes like, for example, a problem is I'm not, I, I, I'm not getting any contracts, right? I'm not getting any houses under contract. That's my problem. Is it like, what is, why, why are you not getting contracts? Is it because you're not getting any appointments? Is it because you're not getting any leads? Is it like really get down to the depth of understanding exactly what the problem is and try to fully understand it. And I think there's something when you start accepting problems, you're able to emotionally do that because when you're in a very heightened stage and you're very stressed out and you're on the brink of it, of like crying and like, and you feel like everything's at, at risk and you're going to lose everything. You don't emotionally have the capacity to think through a problem like that. So I think first, number one, understand the problem. What is it? And then what do I need to do to overcome this problem? Is this, is this like done? Like, is this a deal breaker, this problem? Like, can I, can I do anything about it? What can I control about this situation, this problem? And then what do I need to do to control it if I can't control it? 
very, very rarely you will be faced with a problem that you cannot control and that you cannot influence in some way or another. Of course, that does come up. There's sometimes that you literally cannot do anything about this. And that would be a deal killer, a complete deal killer. You will find that when you go through and like try to analyze it, that is very much the rarity, right? 90, I would say 98, 99% of the time, you can inf- at least influence the problem if not control it, right? So then, you, then you know, looking at influencing the problem, what do I need to influence it? What do I, do I need more information about how to, inf- like, for example, let's use the, the contract thing. Like, do I need more information? Do I need more data? Do I have what I need? Like, are we making appointments? Are we getting leads? If we are getting those things, then why aren't they turning into a contract? Like, what what do I need to do here? Like, what's happening? Analyzing the little steps in between your process. Like, what is happening there? And then what can I do to create a ripple effect and change? And then you just start doing little things that'll affect, that you think will affect the end game and just kind of collecting information about it, right? Um, I think that goes an extremely, an extremely long way. Um, then when the, the other kind of corner of this is like that it's not simple. It's not a simple like ABC solution. It's more, it's bigger. This is a big task. And the, the, the big one I like to use an example here is like this, the CRM thing I developed, right? I never anticipated having to solve a problem by starting a, another business, right? That was never the thing. So sometimes you're faced with a problem that affects you on a very deep level and maybe other people as well, right? And you guys have identified that with Investor, like, there's a problem. We do not have a community, right? So what do we do? Do I make a community for myself? Is this a problem that's big enough that affects a lot of people? Can I solve this problem for me and for everybody? And and I love, those are my favorite ones, right? Because when you look at a pro- solving a problem for that, the first thing, and I think this is a, becomes a very personal experience, right? Of like how you make a choice when you're faced with that kind of problem. For me, it always comes down to impact. Like that's just where I'm at right now. Like I have financial security. I have a wonderful family. I have more than I ever deserved or imagined, right? So when I go to go to tackle a large problem, for me, the most important thing that I measure is if I'm willing to tackle it and willing to do all the things is does this fill my impact bucket? Do I feel like I can help people with this? At my very core, I am a servant. Uh, sometimes that hurts. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I wasn't, but I am a servant person. Like I am here to help people on this earth. Like that's what I'm here for. So if I can make an impact, a deep impact and really help people, then that will be enough for me to take a next step forward in tackling a very large problem. And then from there, it comes down to all the process stuff, all the ABCs, all the little details with it um, that we just talked about. So that is how I approach a problem. I, I approach problems as opportunities and as ways that we can improve instead of as a, a roadblock that like we fall down into this hole and can't overcome. Stephanie, the first thing that you said that I think is the key here for, for problems is having the emotional intelligence to deal with that. Uh, I, and I feel that many times um, we are in the era of social media and people mm-hmm. see the success and the beautiful, you know, checks, the cars, the number of doors that people own and because in the problems that they face, the challenges that they had to overcome are not exposed as much. So there's this false expectations for, for women that are starting because they're comparing their reality to somebody else's social media life. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and that is, a, there is a big gap over there. And I don't know if people don't expect to have problems. I don't think <laughs> nobody out there thought, oh, okay, I'm going to start real estate and it's going to be smooth. This yeah. rehab project is going to be smooth from beginning to end. And I think that as, and I want to ask you this, do you think that as we grow, as we grow our business, as we grow as people, we have to elevate that emotion because our problems, quote unquote problems, not they're going to get bigger, but it's a different level of problem that we're going to have to deal with. So instead of trying to control the problem, if we focus on con on controlling or in working on our emotional intelligence, then we can deal with anything that comes our way. Do you, do you agree with that? Sadie? I fully agree. I fully agree. I think you have to work on how you react to problems and you will be in different mindsets to react to a problem, right? I think you need to know yourself, your own patterns, your own strengths and weaknesses enough to know when you react the best to problems. And I'll tell you, I react the best to problems when I am eating, when I am exercising, when I have a good relationship with my husband, when I have a good relationship with my children. Like if, if that, like if I'm going to be run over by a bus, If I have all those criteria met, I'll be all right. If I am not, and often I am not, like it is not, nothing is balanced. There's always counterbalance. Something is always in swing. Like you are never even, like something's always up and the other thing's always down. And you just got to be able you have to figure out how do you can swing yourself, right? That's, I think that's the key. Um, but most of the time, something's out of whack when I have to deal with a problem, right? So I need them to like, okay, I'm angry. Why am I so angry? <laughs> Okay, I'm angry because I haven't slept in three days. Okay, maybe I should just table this and then sleep and then I'm going to come back to it. Or I'm going to, you know, put something in motion. Hey, I need this to be able to tackle this problem and get, you know, maybe delegate that or maybe write it down. And then I'm just not going to come back to it until I'm in a better place, right? I think maybe social media has exacerbated this, but we're expected to just bang it out, bang out those problems, bang out the obstacles. No, sometimes you need to literally sit on it for a minute. And that goes against my nature. Like I'm a fast person. Like I wanted to make decisions very quickly and I tend to feel first. Like I get a, I get a good gut instinct about something and then I'll act and then I'll ruminate about it. I know that about me. That's the order in which I do things, right? My husband is a little bit slower in that, in that action. So that's where our friction comes. He will feel he will think, then he will do, right? And it takes him longer to arrive at the action item, which I judge like essentially everything based on action because that's what we see, right? So I'm like, oh my God, it's taking so long. Oh my God. But then I'll make the action and sometimes be like, oh crap, I should have thought about that. Did I do that right? Did I do that right? And most of the time I'm right. The gut instinct is usually pretty good. But like, I know that about myself. So if I'm under stress, I know that I will not make a good decision or I know that I will ruminate about it for way too long and stress myself out even more. So when I'm in a bad place or when I'm not in a feeling like a stable place, I just cannot make the decision and that needs to be okay. I love this in so many ways. So of course, when you said feel, think and do, I ranked myself immediately. What did you do? What are you? Because <laughs> that's just how I roll. It's all about me <laughs> and getting my needs met and my own therapy. No, I, I think that's really powerful for women to do. So I wrote number one, I, I naturally will go do Then I think about it and then I feel, and I'm actually changing that. Like, I don't think yeah. that's effective. I'm not saying that's an effective thing, but I think that's what has hung me up on checking in with myself. Andres yeah. will say to me, how's Liz feeling? I'm like, who, what Liz are you talking about? I have no idea. Right? Like, and I'm right. someone who's like, 
emotional IQ and know all like so I think I I think me personally I've neglected that area of my life for different reasons that I don't have time to go into right now. And I'm gonna laugh, but um, but I say that just because I think we really need to have that in check for ourselves for, for as women mm-hmm. and as people. So write those three things down for yourself, ladies. Stop driving, stop what you're doing, take a moment, because that's why you're listening to this. You're not listening to just be entertained by my corny jokes. You're listening to this just to move the needle of your your life forward in a in a balanced and peaceful way. So write down those three words, feel, think, and do, and rank them for yourself. And ask yourself, is that working? You would know that. I don't know that. I can tell you it's, I've been working on me moving the feel for me. So I'm really mindful of that. Right. So anyway, I just love what you said about that. And of course I write myself and I want to make a point about that. I want to go back to problems. And I I love what you were saying. Because when I initially think about problems, I think about, and I think this is such a great entrepreneurial point is that we think about problems in like a vacuum. I have a problem I need to fix. Yep. But you said something really interesting. Problems are actually look very differently than just one thing. The other type of problem is, this is a problem for me that I need to solve. Is it a problem for other people? Now you're like, now Whoa. you're thinking about impact and you're mm-hmm. thinking in such a glo- like holistic way. I love that. I, I think when I initially read some of the things that you've done so amazingly and some of the things we were preparing for today, I was really, when I think problems, I think I have to solve this so that I can finish the project or make the money or fill in the blank. But when you started talking, it made me think about the second type and it, you know, it's still something we have to move through, but wow, if we can start solving problems for ourselves and other people, and it sounds like that's what's really launched a lot of things for you and other business ventures. Same thing with Andressa and I have different arms of our business and arms of the investor community. It started as a passion. We just really wanted to serve women and we really saw a need for ourselves. That quite honestly, and we saw so it's grown. So I just love that. I wanted to just put like a note to that for for those listening because problems aren't just something to get through. If you keep having the same issue within your exit strategy and and your focus and investing, other people might be too. And couldn't you solve that for other people and yourself? I love that thinking, and I think that's like next level thinking for a lot of women where they're at. They're at. They don't need to do it just just to like do it. They want to do it for impact. You know, so many women don't want wealth just for wealth's sake. They want to do it to pass it along to their kids and, and to have a legacy and to give back to a lot of people, or at least a lot of right. women that we all know, right? So I wanted to make a mention of that. So I want to transition really quickly to, you mentioned a couple of times about your your spouse and yeah. investing with your spouse and working with your spouse. And um sounds like you know him very well too. And I love his name, <laughs> my son's name, Zach. Aww. I feel like Zach... I feel like Zach's and Matt's are just great people because it's my husband and my son <laughs> so now. You're giving me a big problem with this. I know you Zach's have to go. And Matt's, because now I'm thinking. Put well, that on your dating. Sure. Yeah, put that on your. <laughs> I'm going to put it on my profile dating that like if you're a Matt or a Zach, you got a point. You're in. You're in. <laughs> You'll pass the first address. Just don't be late. P.S. Don't be late. Don't be late. Um, <laughs> so for you growing your business and starting multiple businesses with your husband and him you know, first say, Hey, we got to do this. And then you're like, then you were like, all right, this is, this has got some merit to it. Um, and this is a lot to unpack. And I, and I don't want to, you know, we, we probably need a whole nother episode to do this because it's a topic that I love near and dear to me as well. But what have you learned? Like, had you known this, we said 2007 is when he brought it up. That was quite some time ago. What are one or two things had you known when you started working and investing with your spouse that if you knew today, it could have caused less disconnects? fights, 
or just not being on the same page, right? May not have even manifested itself as fights, but it would have created some more peaceful alignment as a married couple and as business partners. So just curious, I know it's a deep question, but one or two things, right? That you wished you had done or known, done or known. Such a good question. So first I would not change anything because our journey like is our journey. And I think it's made us who we are. And it's kind of like, what do you tell someone on their wedding day? Right? Like you have no freaking clue is what you tell them on their wedding day. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. Not necessarily like run, but like, I know you love each other, but you literally have no clue what's about yeah, to happen true. for the rest of I wish of someone life. told me that. I wish someone right? told me that. Yeah. Right. But like, what does it really change? You're just still like on that journey. Right. So <laughs> I regret nothing. Like we've gone through a ton of stuff, both business and relationship wise. And like, I'm glad we went through it. I, I think something I wish I, I wish I fully understood was, was the importance of, of role definition. I think that has come up a lot in a lot of different levels, um, kind of throughout our marriage and throughout business. And really business has become part of our marriage, like really from the get-go we took, we did that, you know, year and a half thing. We took a couple years off from business basically to go to grad school and then we redid it again. So there was only a few years of our married lives that we weren't growing something, right? So it, it, business and marriage is very intertangled for me. So it's kind of hard for me to separate. Is this marriage advice? Is this business advice? It's just kind of our life, right? So I think the role definition is critical, both in the family unit and in the business unit. Um, I think for us, that has been a rub in both arenas. So Things like being the being the leading spouse and then being the supportive spouse. We've done both roles for each other in both life and in in, in business. So, for example, right now, uh, we, this the the chapter that we're in right now is that my husband is actually doing many much more of a supportive role and me while I am leading a this business role and and really because uh, one of our one of my businesses left Main REI the 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 CRM company is very much in a launch right now, right? Like we're a couple of years in, it's growing, it's crazy, it's amazing. And it is taking a lot of my time. So I'm not able to do all the traditional mom things, right? So he, and he's not involved in that business at all, really, other than a consultant, right? He's an owner of it, but he's not in an active role. So I'm right now in this like leading spouse role and he's in a supportive spouse role in our life. And in our business, we are both in CEO seats, Right. So like I am CEO of social media REI and Lethania REI. He's a CEO of our investment company. And then as a couple, personally, we invest in real estate, like in multifamilies and single families and things like that. So we have grown from working side by side in our businesses and trying to define roles like, hey, you're going to answer the phone and you're going to do transaction coordination. And I'm going to do, and this is him, he would do sales, right? He would go out and on the appointments and take the pictures. And then I would do paperwork and like the, the operations part. I've always been good at operations. So that's what I did. In the beginning, I would have told you, make it clear from the get-go, which role in the business you're doing, right? That way you're not stepping on each other's toes. Cause that's what we did. We were just like all over the place. Like, Hey, I got to go take the kids. So you're going to go do the transaction coordination dumped. And then of course I would, we couldn't communicate all the things that needed to be communicated at that time because they weren't involved. Right. Um, so, and then as we hired and as those companies grew, then leadership roles, like who's leading who, who's the, is it, we are, are we a two-headed monster where it's like husband and wife that people have to deal with, or who's like, what's the chain of command now with other leaders in our company? That was difficult to define. We had to very much put like lines in place as like, when is it your role versus my role? 
And now that we're owning businesses, keeping each other in a consulting role is very, very important for our marriage and for our businesses. Just because I'm the CEO of a business does not mean I don't need him. Like he's super smart. He's awesome. And he's like my best friend and my husband. I want to know what his opinion is on my business, but, and just same with him, right? And he wants my opinion on, on the other businesses too, but it's my decision, right? So we've got to, re- we've got to respect that you don't have ultimate say in my business, right? Just like, I don't have ultimate say in your business. We have a consulting relationship with each other. So I think that would have been really wonderful to have someone to have told me that, like the, <laughs> that the role definition and the communication during those role definitions is very helpful and very healthy. We, we stepped all over that. We fought a ton. Our marriage was threatened, like, because we just didn't know how the hell to kind of cope with all this stress and all this, all these roles that we were juggling, like, oh my gosh, like we, we've really, really struggled to figure that out and to make it work for us. But now that I know this, now we've grown through it. That's why I say I don't regret anything. I feel like I have those communication tools with him now that like we can do it, even though we still, of course, flub, like we're not, we're not, I'm not going to be writing a marriage book, but now you could, you could, you got some really good stuff. (laughs) Oh my God. I love what you're saying. Well, you know, because the people who write books too, right. It's not like we have people have it all figured out, but it's to be able to have that strategy. And, and I can totally agree with you of someone who's, I feel like we've run very parallel, um, you know, lives in some ways or in a lot of ways. And I think the other part of it for me too, that I've seen is the expectations. So it's like, okay, like we always say, my husband, and I have a joke, like parent on duty, who's parent on right. duty. Cause you know, he'll have a conference call. He is gro- a growing, we have growing businesses. I, we have growing in bi- separate businesses and then things together. So, yeah. you know, so it's like, who's in charge? Like in some right. days, you know, and, and overall, I'd say I lead our family and our household, if you will. Um, I get a ton of support from him and getting support from other places too, but I'm really the lead at home, if you will. And sometimes as a leader, you have to be clear with what you need. Not sometimes you always have to be clear with expectations. So if someone's on parent on duty, if you will, um, what does that mean? So it always meant for me, like you put your phone down, you turn your phone over, you're present with the kids. And I could be present on the call and the webinar that I'm giving with a hundred women tonight or whatever's going on. Well, that wasn't happening with him, right? So he'd be quote unquote parent on duty. And it's kind of a funny little thing we call it. And he'd be on his phone talking to a broker. He had something else going on. I saw his computer open, phone on, kids were <laughs> running around the house. I was like, I'm sorry, let's define what parent on duty means. Right, it's, right. It's, right? <laughs> and then my, the let's open the, scene, the box, parent actually, on duty, and let's, let's talk about build what works. Basically. Well, it's yeah. funny. I think I told you this on Justice. It was the same night that this was happening. Oh, and he was cooking dinner. He was on the phone cooking dinner. My nephew was here visiting. I needed, you know, he was a little older. He thought he was with the kids and he wasn't. Um, and the kids were running around. I'm like literally on this important call. I come downstairs for a minute. I said, um, Matt, Sammy's hair is shorter. What are you talking oh, yes. about? Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? I'm like, um, I've been gone for like an hour. I, I literally just got back here within 30 seconds. I could tell you her hair is shorter. My daughter's hair is shorter than when I was, you know, before I saw, you know, oh, an hour ago. He goes, oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So I go in the garbage because that's where you just get the, the, the truth, right? <laughs> the <laughs> I, truth. See of, I see this lock of hair, lock of blonde hair in the garbage. Lo and behold, she takes a scissor, just cuts her hair. Just thought it'd be a good idea. So 
anyway, I tell you that for a little bit of attention, but that was the same night that I saw this like parent on duty role not defined. And that has yeah. like played out so much for our like, okay, what does this mean? Because my definition of parent on duty was different than his. Right. So we got the same page. <laughs> but I say that because it's funny, but like I could have went away and said, you know what? How can you not get that you should be present with your kids? Put the damn phone down, call them back when I'm present. Or or I could have gotten really annoyed. I slightly got right. annoyed, but I made it an opportunity to get more what? Get on the same page. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. let's talk about the terms here, you know. <laughs> So we have terms to constantly have those terms <laughs> and conditions, right? <laughs> Sign here, right here. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's an evolving thing, right, Stephanie? Absolutely. I mean, it's a continual daily thing to stay on the same page. And, you know, everyone's relationships are a little bit different on what they'll tolerate and what they what they right. need from each other. And exactly, you know, I think you kind of and tend to learn that over the years of trying to collaborate, either e- even if you're not involved in the business, even if you're a supportive spouse the entire ride, right? Um, you still have to learn how to set expectations and communicate and hand off during all these crazy things that we do when we launch a business, you know? Yep. It's an evolving thing, but I love your I love your advice. And just to find those roles, get them don't assume they're the same <laughs> that we think, you know? Um right. And they change. Just, they change. They change like throughout. Yeah. So then you gotta kind of keep keep on the table. Well, I love that chapter of your life. I was talking with um someone else at a conference recently. And they said, Well, the here's where I am, the season, the season that I'm in. And yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to say it, uh, especially if it's something that's temporary and it yeah. and it's something and you're you're striving for something else. And I just I love that. I love that terminology. It makes it feel like this is the season in, and I'm, I'm going to yeah. be full out on in this season, but it may not always be the same. And and that's, exactly. you know, a good thing. So we could probably talk to you forever here. Um, <laughs> Stephanie, where can the ladies listen, learn more about you and all the cool things you have going on with all the businesses you have going on? Well, you can follow me on social. That's always an easy one. Um, at Steph Betters is my Instagram. And then I'm on Facebook, Stephanie Betters, the slash Stephanie Betters. Um, and if you want to learn more about the CRM company that we launched for real estate investors, that's leftmainrei.co.co. Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Stephanie, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Um, all right. Besides the Bible, I feel like that may not, I don't know. That's number one. Uh, number two is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Love it. Love that one. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? Top three things daily. I do. I, I decide what today are the most important things to do. And they're only allowed to be three. And they don't always have to be three. There just can never be more than three. And those are the items I have to do that day. Last question is, which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Ooh, um, I think Sarah Blakely Spanx, right? I think she's a, I think she's a badass. I think she's awesome. I think she took a, a, a problem for women and really went all the way with it. And I just love her story. I love her story. I love how she, how she just like hustled and went to like Nordstrom. I was like, try these pants, try these on, you know what I mean? Like, I just think she did what it took. And I just love what she does for women. I love it. And especially right now that she's so part of the company for 1.2 billion. So I love it. 
She knows what she's doing. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love the tummy control. Like, yeah, if you're listening to us, we're going to have you on our podcast. Mark my words, people. We're going to have her on our podcast one day. (laughs) So we can ask her all the questions about building a multi-billion dollar business. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for, for coming on to our show and sharing your wisdom and, and, you know, self with our community. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Stephanie. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.